This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. There's sleazeballs abound all over the internet who will be happy to take your money to chase that lie. Here, at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Welcome back, guys. Season 3, Episode 2. This one's going to be a fantasy football preview. Jay's dark, twisted fantasies uh, laid out in the open for everyone to see. That's it. That's it. Um, hope you brought your imagination, folks, because it's your mind's about to expand. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a Christian Grey vibe. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that, that was actually my nickname. Uh, <laughs> Christian Grey. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this this is dedicated to fantasy football. This is the most actionable um, information I think that we're going to get from episode. So uh, we wanted to kind of give one hundred percent to an, an episode for this because I do think this is going to help you more than anything else that you'll get from this dumbass podcast um, through the week. That you know, we'll give you some tidbits and whatnot. But I do think this is the most actionable, just because this is where. Um, I have seen my most success. I've also have done fantasy sports for a long period of time, especially fantasy football, the longest period of time. So, uh, you know, all the other times I don't know what I'm talking about, but this time I like kind of know what I'm talking about. Nice. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, first things first is we've had a, a lot of people sign up for the uh, Survivor. Um, if you haven't done so, we would love you to go ahead and uh, sign up for that. Like we talked about last week, you just pick a winner each week. And if your team wins, you advance to the next week. You just can't use that team again. Uh, last team or teams surviving, if you make it to the end of the year, or if everyone else is eliminated, whoever's the last standing, they split the prize if it's a tie. Um, also, just to add caveat, throwing in $5 myself to anybody who beats my uh, survivor entry. So if you, last year, I was in a pretty big contest. Uh, it was a grand per entry. I did five entries and I lost three of my five entries on week one because the Colts lost to the Jaguars. The Colts who made the playoffs last year beat the Jaguars who won one game last year, which was that game. Of course, Gardner Minshew was 19 for 20. Uh, it was week one, but anyways, I digress. So anything could happen. Uh, but yeah, so if you, that way gives you something to root for you're rooting for your team, but you're also rooting against me. Uh, and I love the haters. So, so bring it on. What percent chance, just quickly, would you give to anyone to get through all 16 weeks? Is that like a one in a hundred, one in a thousand type of thing? Um, no, 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 no. I, I'd, well, 17 weeks now, um, but I'd, I'd say probably a 5% chance for each oh. individual. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know. It's probably less, maybe 2% chance to 25 3% for each individual. I, I would say I've, I knew people last year that did it. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Uh, it's not likely, but it is fun. It's a different way to enjoy the National Football League. So please do sign up. If there's anyone you know, um, as long as you collect from them and you get the money to me by uh, kickoff on the – or not that we're using actual money, you know, fake Monopoly money. But mm-hmm. if you get the fake Monopoly money to me by, um, you know, kickoff, then, you know, you can invite whomever you'd like. Uh, but, yeah, that that's – we wanted to plug that before we got into fantasy. Uh, the biggest thing is I kind of wanted to start by talking about the fantasy industry as a whole. 
the projected growth for the next five years is, is 10% uh, year over year. Uh, the fantasy industry is really still, it seems like it's saturated, but it's still really at the, the tip of the iceberg. Um, you have major companies like ESPN, CBS, uh, as well as Verizon, who all have a tie to fantasy football and only Verizon via Yahoo, because they own Yahoo, um, actually offers fantasy sports for money. They, they have traditional fantasy, but they also have also uh, offer their daily fantasy. Um, so once ESPN or CBS finds a way to monetize, either just by offering money leagues like Yahoo does, uh, Verizon slash Yahoo does, uh, or maybe they partner with DraftKings or FanDuel, um, you're really going to see the floodgates even more so. Um, I was talking to a, a friend of ours, Rob, and uh, they said that we were talking about PAPSPA, which was the Supreme Court ruling uh, that had prevented sports betting in other states other than Nevada previous to 2018. And when that was repealed, uh, the average estimate was the, the top four major sports, so the NHL, MLB, NFL, and NBA, all of their franchises essentially overnight doubled in value. Um, and that's because not just fantasy sports, but also sports betting, um, but just that whole sports gaming and things moving in that direction. And I think I would even up that now just seeing how fast it's caught on in this country and how big it's gotten. Um, anything about that before I move to talk about DraftKings and FanDuel? Uh, how about in Arizona? Are you seeing more commercials about it, things of that nature, because legalization? I'm getting advertised on Google constantly. It's everywhere, dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what it is, is DraftKings and FanDuel, um, they are the, the ones that kind of got daily fantasy to the, the forefront. So about 10 years ago, Daily Fantasy really didn't exist. Uh, FanDuel was the, the first Daily Fantasy site. And that's essentially just taking fantasy sports and instead of it being on a season long, you draft a team or really you use a, a salary and you create a team just for that day. And FanDuel was the, the first big one. And then DraftKings was kind of like the underdog, if you will. And they've just... They've really listened to the consumer the most and they offer things, you know, it's, it's kind of like geared towards the consumer. Uh, and they've now become, they've now passed FanDuel and DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy. Um, but it's, it's two different uh, kind of business models and whatnot, but they actually were going to merge together, but anti-monopoly laws uh, prevented that. So what you have now is FanDuel is actually owned by Paddy Power, which is the Irish bookmaker, probably the biggest bookmaker, one of the biggest bookmakers in the UK. And they bought FanDuel and they're essentially buying it as customer acquisition for the sports book and eventually casinos, internet casinos, online casinos. So it's essentially just very expensive customer acquisition. Uh, but Obviously, they know what they're doing. They're doing it because they know how big sports betting is going to be. Uh, Paddy Power also purchased Draft.com, which was a best ball form of fantasy. And I don't know, if, do you, have you ever heard of best ball fantasy, Rob? No. So best ball is uh, where you just do the draft, and that's all you do for your fantasy league. That's it. So you um, will do the draft and you, there's no in-season pickups. There's no nothing. So the, the huge pro of that is your draft probably takes 30 minutes, maybe an hour. And that's all your time commitment 
to fantasy sports for the year. And the caveat is you got to make sure your team has depth, things of that nature, uh, just because injuries will happen. So you need to have six, seven running backs. You need to have, uh, you know, depth at quarterback, depth at tight end. But the thing is, is you actually, this introduced stacking. uh, And we'll talk about stacking again in, in daily fantasy, but essentially needing one thing to occur to make your team better. So you want to stack by in best ball, but and we'll talk about stacking is actually beneficial in other forms of fantasy, but you want to get the quarterback of the team. You want to get the wide receiver of the team. You want to get the tight end because if the quarterback has a really good year, well, guess what? His receivers and his tight ends are probably going to have a good year as well. And that just takes one event to make your team that much better than the other teams. And since you can't pick up guys in the free agency, things of that nature, uh, that's really how you have to build it. And it's truly a, a Ricky Bobby style, first or last. I mean, some of your teams are going to be dog, you know, dog shit, but that's just variance over four or five months. Uh, but that, that's how you have to build your teams. Anyways, um, Draft.com was purchased by the same company uh, that purchased FanDuel to merge them. The reason I bring that up is the people who created draft.com have just created a new best ball website. It's called underdog.com. It started in July of 2020. Uh, and it's already pretty much the leader in best ball. And essentially that guy is just going to sell it either to DraftKings or FanDuel uh, because they know that that's what they're doing is they're just trying to do customer acquisition for eventually uh, getting to sports betting and then eventually a casino at, at, altogether because um, everyone wants to talk about sports and stuff like that. But if you look at the actual revenue generators for casinos, like slots are just unbelievable money makers because they're such, you know, negative EV, negative expected value. Um, so the big thing is, is fantasy is being used as, first of all, it, it's, it was the thing that towed the line first of getting rid of that stigma of gaming and gambling. And now that sports betting is legalized, it's kind of like, oh, all right. Oh, well, yeah, we'll do fantasy. Oh, we'll do fantasy for money. We'll do it for daily. Uh, and just to kind of inch people towards sports betting and eventually casino play. Uh, does any of that make sense? Or does that, does that kind of jive with how you see it? Or is that kind of news to you? Uh, it makes sense. I, I didn't know that. Um, that it was uh, who owned FanDuel or Draft or DraftKings is now publicly traded, right? DK and yep. G or something. Yep. Um, so I think I knew that, but FanDuel being the Irish company, uh, all that makes me think of is this Irish company probably has more broken legs uh, than any company I can think of. <laughs> Longest-standing Irish bookmaker. Yeah, yeah, Patty Power. And if you ever go to the UK um, and you're just walking around town, you'll see the little shops everywhere. You can go and make bets. I mean, it's been a part of their culture. Uh, they're called punters in uh, in the UK, not betters or punters. Uh, so, so they know what they're doing, and they know obviously how big the the North American and especially the United States market is going to be. All right, so enough of that big picture stuff. Now let's talk about the fantasy games that are offered. The traditional fantasy. You know, you get uh, 10, 12 year buddies, you draft a league, uh, you draft players for the entire season. That's that's the bread and butter fantasy. And that, that is still growing as well. Um, that is something I do on Yahoo for pro leagues. Uh, I do about 20, 25 of them. And it's very time intensive, but it, it's not, um, the growth is not linear in terms of the amount of time it takes. So if you do five teams, uh, 
it doesn't take twice as amount of time to manage 10 teams because a lot of the work is just research who you pick up, who not to. Um, so that's why I do so many of them because the difference between doing five and 20 is not that much. At least when people hear it, everyone's like, Jesus, you do so many teams. And I do, and it takes up a lot of time, but it's not as much time as, as people actually think. Uh, obviously, I, I have set up systems and whatnot to cut down on it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's traditional fantasy. There's dynasty fantasy, and this is more nerds. It's not really, it's growing. It's definitely growing. I mean, the industry as a whole is growing, but dynasty is where you draft a team and then you keep that team year in, year out. So the focus is on younger players. You can trade future draft picks. It's kind of like you're a manager of your own team. I just started doing this last year. It's very, it's fun if you're a complete loser like myself. Um, but in terms of like ROI, it's like maybe five cents for amount of time. I check on it and talk to people about trades and stuff like that. But for me, it, I only do three teams for that. But for me, it keeps me with skin in the game in the offseason. So I've seen rankings. You know, There's some guys in my dynasty league who I really respect. So I'm like, all right, this guy's trying to trade for this guy. Then he's probably going to have a good year this year. Helps me target who I want to target in my season-long uh, traditional draft. Daily fantasy has been the one that's grown the most. Um, that's where you get really hardcore people, but you also have casual people who are just like, Hey, I'll put a hundred bucks on it. Try to win a million dollars, even though it's highly, highly unlikely. Uh, it's growing rapidly. There's two forms of it. There's cash games, which is like, think about when you play poker, Rob, you know, you play a cash game or you can play a tournament. So a cash game is where there can be a lot of winners. Uh, or a tournament is usually where there's, um, only a very select few amount of winners, but the first place has a grand prize. Second place is a lot less, but still a good amount of money. And then, uh, you know, follow suit third, fourth, fifth, respectively. Uh, that's growing a lot with FanDuel and DraftKings being the two major ones with probably a 90 to 95% stranglehold on the market. Yahoo does offer Daniel Fantasy. I'm surprised they haven't tried to market it more given that they are owned by Verizon like we talked about, um, but they're they're a, a distant third. Um, and Best Ball, like we mentioned, is starting to grow as well where you know people who say, oh, I don't want to waste my time Sundays or thinking about fantasy. Um, you can just draft it and then you have that team for the year. You can't pick anybody up. If injuries happen, you're shit out of luck. Um, but it's still not really big with a casual person. It's still more for the uh, grinder like myself. It gives us stuff to do in the off season. Usually this picks up about two weeks before the NFL draft and, and the rookies will be put in this best ball draft. So you're taking them before you know where they end up. So you're kind of taking educated guesses on who might draft them, things of that nature. And then after the draft for about a, a three to four weeks, best ball goes through that. Once the rookies have actually been placed on the team, now you have more information. Some guys that got drafted by good teams will go up in rankings. Uh, other teams, you know, the, the opposite happens will go down. Uh, so like I said, the biggest website for that right now is underdog fantasy. They just started in July of 2020 and they're already the market leaders just to show you how um, early we really still all are in all of this. Uh, but the biggest thing from best ball is that it's helping making it be a year round thing. So that way we can avoid our responsibilities, relationships, uh, and just anything else that would maybe make us productive members of society. Uh, any questions about that, Rob? No, that's very on brand. Yeah. Well, you know, I try not to lie. I try not to lie. I, I like that. Yeah. All right. So now what everyone asks me about uh, is, you know, 
who I like, tips, you know, things of that nature. So we'll do that. Um, but we're going to label this uh, the how to not lose your fantasy football draft because that's really all your draft is. And this is just for traditional fantasy uh, football. So your season-long drafts with your buddies uh, or if you're like me, friends and family, you obviously hate them, so you want to beat them. Uh, so the first thing is you need to know your league rules and your league mates. So uh, are you drafting with absolute morons? So they might take quarterbacks in the first or second round. Um, Chris Brown did that, a good friend of ours. He did that in one of the leagues I'm in with him. Uh, he took Patrick Mahomes, I think, seventh overall. Do not be that guy. That's completely idiotic. Um, know your league rules in terms of passing touchdowns. Is it a PPR league, which is a point per reception? Or is it a half PPR league, which means you only get half a point per reception? Or is it a no uh, point per reception? If it's a PPR league, pass catchers are going to be more valuable, obviously. Running backs who catch the ball are going to be more valuable. Half PPR, non-PPR, the opposite will be true, obviously. A non-PPR league, a guy like Derrick Henry who does not catch any passes, but he runs the ball more than anybody else, he maybe should be a second or third overall pick. So just knowing those things goes a long way. Um, The second thing to help you not lose your fantasy football draft is have rankings you trust, but think in tiers to find relative value. Rankings are just guesses, just like any model. No model is right. Some are useful. No rankings are right. Some are useful. Uh, but you got to think in tiers. So even if you have, you know, if I have a guy ranked as my 15th best running back, the 16th best running back is going to have a better season than him 45, maybe 46% of the time. So instead of, you know, looking and saying, oh, uh, you know, the difference between 15th and 16th is so drastic, look at the tiers. Where is the tier drop off? In my rankings, which I update uh, daily until kickoff and I'll update weekly once the year starts, it's all in tiers. So that way you can see, oh, okay, it's my draft, uh, but there's four or five running backs still left in this tier. Maybe I go to wide receiver because there's only one left in that tier. Um, and and that, that way you don't go chasing and you find the relative value in that. And really that's all you're doing in, in uh, drafting the fantasy football. You're taking guys you really like, which – it's easy to trick yourself. It's easy to find more noise than signal. And, oh, this guy's going to be so much better than that guy. There's really just a lot of randomness involved. Some of it is, is skill. And there's some guys you will avoid. Um, but there's just it's such a violent sport. Uh, the coaches that lead these teams are not logical thinkers a lot of the time. So there's only really so much you can do. Uh, so really what you're doing is you're finding value. And then, you know, maybe three or four guys you'll plant a flag on. Uh Next thing is mock, mock, mock. You know, you might have your rankings and things like that, but you don't want the first time you're actually doing a draft to be on your draft day. You want to do mock drafts. So that way you're making those real-time decisions uh, before you actually are on the clock. Before we get to more of these uh, kind of pillars or things to hang your hat on, anything that I've gone over, Rob, that you had questions about or found interesting? um, You know what? I'm I'm proud. I'm bored, but I'm proud that you're saying the same things as last year. The principles haven't changed. That would be a, a bit of a, an alarm, maybe, for our longtime listeners, all two of you, uh, if you had been singing a totally different tune. But yeah, dude, uh, the tears, mock drafts, know your rules. Like, that's how you do it stuff. It's, it's, this is homework. 
Absolutely. It, it, it's, it's tried and true. Um, the next thing is, is don't draft for week one, draft for week 14. Because if you, um, anyone who's played in a fantasy football league with me knows I don't draft a kicker or a defense because I would rather have those roster spots used on guys who, uh, high upside guys that I want to watch them play week one. And hey, maybe they are a lot better or they're getting a lot more playing time than not. And the thing is, is when week one comes around, it's very rarely is it a close matchup. So if I need to pick up a kicker or a defense, uh, I'll make those decisions during the day, Sunday, once I see the results. Okay, maybe I'm getting blown out of the water. Well, that's fine. Essentially, I use those guys on a tryout uh, and I was getting blown out of the water. Or conversely, maybe I blow the other team out of the water. If it's close, all right, I'll pick up a kicker late or a defense late. And, and you know, it's not a, you don't get any money for week, winning week one. All your money comes in the playoffs. Kind of like how Rob won our fantasy basketball league in absolute luck form. Uh, I don't think you, you were winning the championship at all until the last day, uh, which is just, you know, just shows you that we're dealing with randomness here and you get paid out in the playoffs. Um, yeah, or if you wait till Thursday for ideal pickups that can get you over the finish line, dude, maybe it's strategy, but all right, cool, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, anyways, I think you won by seven points uh, in fantasy basketball. But anyways, uh, so yeah, so you don't draft for week one, draft for week 14. When we talk about quarterbacks that I like, you're going to see I like guys like uh, Justin Fields and Trey Lance because they might not even start week one or week two. But they are mobile. They're in good offenses, at least uh, Trey Lance's for sure. And their opportunity cost is next to nothing. You can get these guys at the end of the draft. And quarterback is a very deep position. So just things to talk about, um, you know, and also like starting running backs. So week one, you might have the starting running back. But if his job is super unsecure, you know, that that's really a way more fragile way to build where you can maybe take a wide receiver or a tight end or a quarterback at that uh, same spot that is way more likely to be starting in week 14. Uh, the next thing is stacking. We talked about this a little bit with best ball, which was, uh, you know, pairing the quarterback and the wide receiver. So for example, I'm not looking to draft Josh Allen at all, just because I don't believe in drafting quarterbacks very early. But if I take Stefan Diggs, his leading receiver early, I am going to look to take Josh Allen because if they have a nuclear year, you know, there's correlation between that. So if they have a good year, uh, they're both going to be very successful. And it just takes one event to benefit both my teams or both my players on my team. And remember, you the only way to get paid is if you're at the top. So you want to make those connections. Um, and it's not just though there are stronger correlations, but also wide receiver and running backs. Uh, for example, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones last year were on a lot of good teams. You wouldn't think about it. It's not like the running back throws the ball to the wide receiver, but the running back obviously will benefit if the wide receiver, if the whole team has a great, a much better offense, well, both players are going to uh, benefit from that. So that one event benefiting both players. The reason I only do a top 50 and then I just do positional rankings is because it's all relative value. After your top 50, you'll see that, oh, wow, everyone in my draft is taking running backs early or they're taking wide receivers early. So that way you should go to uh, – the tiers of the position and say, okay, maybe I need to take wide receivers now or running backs now. Uh, instead of me giving you a top 200 list, that way it forces you to use your brain and make decisions on the fly. Yes, I'm sorry for making you think. Uh, next thing is if, if an elite quarterback falls in your lap, that's fine. But if not, don't reach for an elite quarterback. I'm talking about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray. 
I would wait for a mobile quarterback late. I mean, you can get uh, Jalen Hurts, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields at the end of your draft. And if these guys don't pan out, well, guess what? You can pick up another replacement level quarterback off the waiver wire. So your opportunity cost is minimal. But the upside with those guys, they could easily be top five quarterbacks this year. Um, any questions before we kind of go through position by position? A little quickly, guys I like, guys I have more exposure to or less exposure to. That's that's the shit, dude. That's what everyone wants. Let's get to it. It is. It is what everyone wants. All right, let's talk about the running back position. Um, the first two picks should, should be pretty easy. Actually, I think the first three picks should be pretty easy. It's Christian McCaffrey, definitely number one, no matter your format. Dalvin Cook, number two. And I think Alvin Kamara should go number three in all formats except for non-PPR. Um, and that's just because uh, the big dog, Derrick Henry, is, is such a beast on the ground. He just doesn't catch passes. Uh, then you kind of get into this tier where you, there's really that mu- not that much difference between uh, Kamara, Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones is a little bit safer than Zeke and Saquon Barkley, but both of those two have a higher upside. Um, so really... The way I like to build is trying to get more, at least one of these early running backs, uh, for Christian McCaffrey, uh, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, and then stay away from the running back position until later. Uh, so if possible, first two rounds, get a running back and then either get a wide receiver or a tight end or two wide receivers. Uh, so some things I like to do is, like I said, those running backs right there, if you can't get any of those running backs, make sure you get a Najee Harris and Antonio Gibson, a Joe Mixon or a CEH, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, leaving your draft with at least one of those running backs is good. And then I try to stick away from the running back position until about round six or seven, about pick 60 or 70, where you're getting these more uh, anti-fragile guys, where they're going to benefit from the injuries that inevitably happen every year in fantasy football. Remember, week one, you'll be like, oh man, my second running back, he he may not even be starting. But remember, we're not building for week one, we're building for uh, weeks 14, weeks 15. So running backs I like late. Javante Williams, I believe he's going to take over in Denver sooner rather than later. Uh, Guys like Chase Edmonds, uh, A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon is the backup running back for the uh, Green Bay Packers. He should get a lot of goal line work. But if an injury were to happen to Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon would become a must-start player every week. Uh, Tony Pollard, I think, is the same way. First of all, he's a better player than Ezekiel Elliott. And if Zeke were to get hurt, he would immediately become a top-10 running back. I think Sonny Michel just got traded from the Patriots to the Los Angeles Rams. And the fact that they made out a trade for a running back tells you that they want to bring him in. And a lot of people are drafting him as if he's going to be the backup. I think he's going to be closer to the starter of Darrell Henderson. Uh, So that's a guy I'm looking at. Um, And yeah, other than that, draft ADP for running backs. Uh, This is where quantity is better than quality. I I always get one quality guy and then a bunch of quantity later and just embrace the variance, uh, the injuries and the variance of the National Football League. Thoughts, feelings, concerns before we move to wide receiver there, Rob? Draft ADP. Say, say that last part again. Yeah, draft Ryan ADP is moron. Yeah, ADP is average draft position. So just uh-huh. wait for guys to fall on your lap, find value that falls to you. Um, 
but they called it the running back dead zone. So after that, CEH, Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, you enter the running back dead zone. And those are really fragile running backs that either don't have a good stranglehold on their job or maybe their injury risk or their team doesn't really uh, run the ball a lot or, or use their running backs. So rounds three and four I, and, and kind of five as well, I actively uh, avoid taking a running back unless a really good running back falls. And there's always exceptions, uh, but that's pretty much rule of thumbs there. I dig it. All right. So for wide receiver, uh, we have two clear uh, best wide receivers in Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. I do think you can take them late first round. Uh, I would still prefer to have that elite running back, but let's say you're in a 12-team league and you're at 10 or 11 and you want to take Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams, I'm fine with that. Um, Stefan Diggs right uh, below the both of them, I think it's easy to forget about how good the Bills were last year. They don't even run the ball. They're an amazing team, and they don't even run the ball. And when they do run the ball, a lot of times it's with their quarterback. So if you do take Steph Diggs, I think you're getting a, a, almost a discount on an amazing player. And then you can kind of go after Josh Allen, who is being discounted because essentially he's white. He's a, he's a mobile quarterback. He's big mobile quarterback who can throw the ball, but not, people aren't that excited to draft him because he's just like a big oaf white guy. Um, and that, I mean, maybe there's other theories, but that, that's where I'm at with that. Um, I do want to leave my draft with one elite wide receiver at least, uh, but really the strategy of wide receiver depends on the league you're in. If you're in a two wide receiver league, like the default is for Yahoo, um, then you're probably not, you don't need to take as many wide receivers early, but if you're in a three uh, wide receiver league where you're the three wide receivers in a flex position, you're going to want to take these wide receivers a little earlier. If you're in a PPR league, a full PPR league, where receivers catching the ball is going to get you even more points, you're going to want to take receivers earlier. Once again, you need to make those modifications and changes on your own. Yes, you got to use that brave yours. I know. Uh, I have it on my rankings that my rankings are for half PPR, 10-man leagues, with uh, two wide receiver spots. So you essentially should take my rankings, and if you're doing three wide receivers, you should move those wide receivers up slightly for their overall rankings. But that's why I like to judge the positions relative so that kind of all washes out. Once again, if I'm using big picture of things or things that you're not understanding, send me a text or a tweet. I'm happy to go into this uh, you know, in more detail. I'm one of those sick fucking guys that likes talking about this stuff. Uh, so yeah, perfect draft is getting a running back maybe first round and then coming back in the second round, maybe getting a Calvin Ridley, a DeAndre Hopkins, an A.J. Brown, a D.K. Metcalf. Uh, those are guys that could easily be wide receiver ones in very um, you know in not very far-fetched scenarios. And that gives you two really strong points uh, there as well. I also think you could take uh, Travis Kelsey in the first late first round. And we're going to move the tight end in a minute. Um, but First two, first three rounds, if you can get an elite running back, uh, elite wide receiver, and then maybe get uh, George Kittle at tight end or Darren Waller, I think that's a really great way to start your draft because it gives you immense flexibility uh, to catch whatever falls to you there. Some other wide receivers that I'm higher than, higher on than others, Jamal Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he, was, he didn't even play last year, and he was the number five overall pick. Uh, 
Joe Burrow was his college quarterback. I think this is another guy who might start slow, uh, but by week 14 could be a real difference maker for you. I think Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are guys that can really benefit from going to Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff's bitch ass in Los Angeles. Uh, some guys a little bit later, you can get Robbie Anderson getting his former quarterback, Sam Darnold, coming down to the Carolina Panthers, Chase Claypool. Um, worries me a little bit because Ben Roethlisberger is a fucking oaf who could die at any minute. Um, but he's an immense talent, an immense, immense talent. Uh, Jerry Judy is a guy you could probably get a little bit later in home leagues and pro leagues. He's going pretty high a price. I don't want to pay right now. I don't have any shares of him, but I do want to make sure I leave a couple of drafts with him. Uh, a couple of other late guys that uh, probably won't even get drafted in your league. Elijah Moore for the Jets. Um, and the Moore in uh, Rondell Moore, I think, or Ronald Moore for the Cardinals. Uh, he could be a difference maker come the end of the year. One more kind of sleeper for you, LaVisca Chenault. Uh, the injury happened to the Jaguars running back Travis Etienne. Visca Chanel is a wide receiver, but they were kind of going to play in the same space. He's a second-year guy, which is a big breakout year for wide receivers. Um, that's a guy I would look to target. Guys I'm looking to avoid, uh, Kenny Galladay just switched teams, went from the Lions to the Giants. I think that's going to be a dumpster fire. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I don't have any shares of him. I think Jerry Judy is going to take over that uh, role. There's also some other younger receivers in Denver that I like a lot better. Uh, Mike Williams, the Chargers, uh, he's always a, uh, a breakout hype guy that never pans out. I'd rather go other places uh, there. And then Michael Thomas is a guy for the Saints. If you have an IR spot, maybe you should take him. But if you don't have an IR spot, which is an injured reserve spot, you should not take him. He's going to be out until at least week seven uh, with a very interesting injury. Anything before we move on to tight ends there, Rob? Give me those tight ends, dude. All right, tight ends, I do think it's a major advantage to get a top six or seven tight end. Um, so in the first round, late first round, if you're if God is shining on you early second round, you can take Travis Kelsey. I think that's a great place to take him. Late second, early third round for Darren Waller. Um, third round for George Kittle. Uh, mid fourth to late fourth, early fifth for Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts was the... Number four overall pick by the Atlanta Falcons. It's the highest draft pick ever for a tight end. And the Falcons are essentially pretty close to rebuilding. Justin Fields was available, a great quarterback prospect from the Georgia area. They could have traded down out of that pick. It's not like a tight end is going to turn your franchise around. But to me, that talks about how good Kyle Pitts is and, and the upside he has. So pretty much for me, I can't pick anyone else out of the top three that could be the number one overall tight end other than Kyle Pitts, who you can get about the fourth or fifth uh, tight end drafted. And at the end of the day, we want to bet on upside. Now, this doesn't, make, doesn't mean we take Kyle Pitts in the third or fourth round, but if he's there around pick 45, pick, pick 50, uh, I'm clicking him more times than I am not. Uh, Mark Andrews is the next tight end that I would still prioritize. And he's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. He's got a really high floor. And I know that's not sexy, but because the position scarcity of fantasy football, his floor is actually really beneficial. Uh, the Ravens lost J.K. Dobbins, their running back. They have tons of uh, injuries at wide receiver. Mark Andrews was being projected as a potential uh, one or two tight end last year. He kind of underwhelmed, but he was still the number four overall tight end last year. 
So just because of the position being so uh, uh, shallow, I should say, taking a guy like Mark Andrews would be, I, I think, is a real, at ADP or maybe a little before ADP, I think is a good play. And the final two tight ends I'm trying to get are TJ Hawkinson, maybe around pick 60 or 65 if I don't have a tight end yet. Uh, essentially, the lines are just so fucking bad that they have no one else. And TJ Hawkinson, I believe a third-year uh, tight end, uh, is just their most skilled pass catcher. They're a team that's going to be trailing a lot. Law of averages just say they're going to have to throw the ball to somebody. Um, so we're hoping that it's going to be him. And then the final tight end I, I'm trying to get, if I, if I don't get any of those first six, is Logan Thomas from the Washington football team. Uh, this guy was a quarterback in college. He got better every week last year, and he's getting a much better quarterback this year in Ryan Fitzpatrick moving on last year from Alex Smith, the GOAT, but the GOAT who had one leg and could barely throw. Uh, other than that, I wouldn't draft the title until the last round just because Noah Fant, Robert Canyon, Tyler Higbee, uh, Dallas Goddard, Irv Smith's hurt, Mike Jasicki. I mean, those guys, it's really you're just you're, you're throwing darts at it. Um, it's an extremely shallow position. I would go early at tight end. Don't reach too much, but I would go early, um, top four if possible, or top five if possible. And you know, if you don't get those top five, I'd really try to get TJ Hawkinson or uh, Logan Thomas. Any questions before we move to quarterback? Hit those QBs. All right. Um, my number one quarterback is Josh Allen himself, uh, right ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Essentially, these two guys are great quarterbacks. They run a little bit. They're in great offenses. And the problem is, is I like the players. I hate the price tag. The opportunity cost of taking one of these guys in the second or third round, I mean, you're missing out on an elite wide receiver or an elite running back. And um, you know, if these guys fall to me in the fifth or sixth round, I'll take either one of them, but I've done nine drafts so far and Josh Allen came sort of close in one of my drafts. Patrick Mahomes didn't come close at all. Um, and I'm not expecting to own any of these guys. I will probably, if I get Stefan Diggs, I'll probably get Josh Allen in one league. I'll, I'll take him a little bit earlier just for that stacking benefit that we've talked about. And I have a little bit of exposure to him just in case they go absolutely nuclear this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are kind of guys that have lower floors, but just as high ceiling because they run the ball. Um, Lamar Jackson doesn't really have the weapons that, that Kyler, Patrick, or Josh Allen have. Um, but Lamar Jackson has better coaching, a better organization around him. Kyler Murray has the weapons and DeAndre Hopkins uh, and whatnot, but doesn't have the coaching uh, that the other three do. So that's why their floor is a little bit lower. Their price tags are also a little bit lower. Uh, I, I'd imagine I'm going to own more Kyler and Lamar than I would Josh and Patrick, but it'll still be uh, low for Lamar and Kyler. Um, the next tier is the tier I'm actually trying to stay away from. That's Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert. Uh, just because these guys, they're, they're not as expensive, but... I still would rather go running back wide receiver depth here just because we know how fragile the uh, position or excuse me, the NFL is the last part uh, where I really want to take my quarterback or my quarterbacks is Jalen hurts, Trey Lance, uh, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, those last couple rounds in the draft because they have high upside. And guess what? If they don't pan out, 
I'll drop a guy and I can pick up a Matt Ryan, a Baker Mayfield, a Matthew Stafford. Like I said, all these uh, picks are updated daily. Uh, any f- closing thoughts before we wrap things up there, Rob? Just real quick on your quarterback thing. I know you love this and I know you're never going to change. You just take quarterbacks in fantasy. And I get it. The rationale all makes sense to me. But you said you don't like your first tier. You also don't like your second tier. Did I hear that right? Yeah, for opportunity cost. It's yeah. not that I don't like them. It's just I don't like taking quarterbacks early. Got it. So tier, the basically like the upside of tier two or tier one versus tier three is like just not compelling. Exactly. It's just because I'd rather spend it on running backs or wide receivers. Got it. All right. I will see you guys next week and sign up for our survivor and let me know if you have any questions. Word up. Adios gang.